Welcome to What Leaders Need Now, where we explore what leaders need to allow people in our workplaces to thrive. I'm Andrea Chilcote, and I've studied leadership as an executive coach and team development facilitator for 30 years. And I'm Laura Rockefort, and I've been supporting individuals, teams, and organizations for the last 35 years, helping them, organizations, to increase their capability in leadership development and, and executive coaching. We're your host, and I'm so looking forward to today's topic centered around compassion as a leader. I'm so excited about this conversation today because with our guest, who's also a coach, the three of us have such different perspectives. I just finished a book about to be released in which I propose that in this time of uncertainty, in which that's the only thing that's certain is uncertainty, that leaders need three qualities, compassion, courage, and humility to face these really, really challenging times. The fact is that burnout is being experienced by employees at all levels at really alarming rates, and it's impacting both physical and mental health, as well as organizational performance. Yes. And we've long believed that if work was to be productive, you as an employee and you as a human being needed to remain separate. We, you know, I've seen us make progress. I'm sure you have too, Andrea, over the many years that we've been working with clients. We've got employee assistance programs. We've got on-site daycare. We've got exercise facilities and flex time. But now we understand that there's a range of things that we haven't been talking about. Those can be mental and physical health needs that many leaders aren't equipped to be able to talk about and need to be. Uh, so I know we'll be exploring that as we move along in this podcast. We're joined by Shepard Lake, who is an executive coach, team facilitator, and mindfulness teacher. Additionally, she works as an equine coach who uses horses to develop self-awareness, leadership skills, and team dynamics. Shepard's work with humans and horses has given her firsthand experience with the power of compassion. Shepard, how would you define compassion in the context of the workplace? Thank you, Laura, for the introduction. And to answer your question, I've, I've given a fair amount of thought to this because I think we often get compassion and empathy confused. Mm -hmm. uh, and compassion is not typically something, a word that we use in the workplace. And yet it's this incredibly important characteristic of leadership. So I'm pulling my definition in part from my mindfulness community uh, work that I do. Uh, and I define it as an open-hearted desire to support or to provide support to another person in the face of their pain or suffering. Mm -hmm. And as I was crafting this definition, it occurred to me that there, there are kind of three pieces to this. The first one is we've got to recognize that somebody's in pain, that they're suffering, that they're in stress. And then we need to connect with them on a cognitive and emotional level. And then finally, the third part is we need to be able to respond to them. And all of this really requires that we be fully present with the other person. And maybe it's just me, but I, I seem to think that we are a lot more, or we think we're more present than we actually are. Ah, uh, appreciate that so much. Andrea, in your book, you define compassion as empathy 
with a desire to be in action. What does that look like in the workplace? Well, I am struck by Shepard's definition to recognize, connect, and respond. And so I want to answer your question by giving a, a, a simple and practical example. So I, I had a conversation just a couple weeks ago with a, an executive leader of someone I'm coaching. And she, this was just after the holidays, and she was um, talking about um, her, uh, her employee, Joe, I'll call him Joe. And she said, you know, Joe seems to be slipping back to some old behaviors, and he's not himself. And, and have you noticed anything? And have you talked to him recently? And have you noticed what's going on? And I hadn't because of the holidays. I hadn't talked to him for a couple of weeks, but I had a meeting with him the next day. And I said, hmm, I'll, I'll check in with him the next day. And when I got on the, the Zoom call with him, I, you know, I asked him how he was doing. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he said, doing fine, yada, yada, got working on my goals and, 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 you know, probing a little further, asking him what's really going on. He started to tell me about some things that were going on in his life. Mm -hmm. And indeed, he had some, some significant things happening, and things were not going so well. And I noticed that, you know, if we take your, your formula, Shepard, she noticed something was off, his, his leader did, but she didn't connect and respond. And what he shared with me was not deeply personal. It was not traumatic, but, and he would have told her if she had asked, mm. but it has to go be beyond, hey, how you doing? And that question itself is a pretty scary question, mm. but we have to be present. We have to deeply listen. We have to go beyond the surface. And it doesn't take an executive coach to do that. Mm. But sometimes we're the ones that they default to, to do that work. It's so important what Andrew just said, which is to ask, hey, how you doing? And when they respond, good, good. But you know, something's off to really pause and and to potentially ask a little bit more there because we aren't used to having these conversations in the workplace sometimes. Boy, that leads me to ask you a question, Shepard. Do you think leaders might fear showing compassion in the organization? And if you think so, why? Where's that fear coming from? Yeah, you know, I certainly think it's a factor for some leaders and, and maybe more than we even realize. You know, Laura, the old guard of leadership associated compassion with weakness. It's the old, man, if I if I show compassion, uh, they'll either think I'm agreeing with them when I don't, or they'll think that um, they can walk all over me and I won't be able to hold them accountable. So we, we kind of go down this path. And, you know, as I'm even saying this, something else occurs to me, and it's that being compassionate takes time. Um, when others are experiencing pain or difficulty or even stress, we want to fix it uh, so we can get back to the business of business. And if we take a deeper look into that fixing behavior, that's really to make us feel better rather than supporting others. It's not compassion. Compassion really means that we're showing that we care. And that can take time because there's often a conversation that needs to happen to hear what's really going on with them to, as Andrea said, to deeply listen. Um, I can... I've had a few leaders, and maybe you've had these experiences as well, who have told me how much they care deeply about their people. And then two minutes later, we're talking about a high performer or someone who's not 
quite a higher performer that maybe they're a midline performer and they aren't going to make the cut because they aren't that high performer or they've started to slip and they think that, you know, we need to, to look at how we can get rid of them when the reality is we need to be having a conversation with them because as Andrea's story illustrated, there may be something else going on. Um, to answer the second part of your question as to why, personally, I, I believe a lot of people are afraid of emotions. Uh, most people are not taught how to deal with our own emotions, you know, much less anybody else's. Mm -hmm. And so when someone is in pain or suffering or stress, emotions tend to arise. Uh, I mean, how many leaders have you had who come to you and say, oh my God, they're crying. What do I do other than shove Kleenex in their face? So we have to learn to be more comfortable with people's vulnerability and emotions. And in essence, we have to learn how to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And we could probably have a whole podcast series on that alone. <laughs> Shepard, what's the first step a leader can take to embrace this attribute? Andrea, it sounds like such a simple question and it's huge. Um, we typically try to take big steps when we're trying to make a change, but when it comes to making change, oftentimes it's the smallest steps as one of my teachers calls it one degree shifts that actually result in the biggest improvements because they happen in digestible pieces then and we can see progress more readily. So again, I'll pull from the mindfulness community. There's a, a short exercise called Just Like Me that I'll take us through right now. So I'll invite our community who's listening to find a comfortable position for your body right now. And if it's available to you, close your eyes. And if that's not available to you, feel free to cast your gaze downward. Take a deep settling breath in and release that. And now bring to mind somebody who you find to be a bit difficult or someone who's used uh, using a behavior that you don't understand. Uh, they just annoy you for whatever reason. And let's use someone who's mildly annoying right now. This isn't the time for your arch enemy just yet. And picture this person sitting in front of you now and repeat these phrases silently after me. This person has a mind and body just like me. This person has feelings, thoughts, and emotions, just like me. This person at some point in their lives have felt physical and emotional pain, just like me. This person has been sad, disappointed, and frightened, just like me. This person has been hurt by others, just like me. This person has been angry, just like me. This person has felt unworthy or inadequate, just like me. This person is learning about life, just like me. 
This person wants to be kind and caring to others, just like me. This person wants to be successful, just like me. This person wants to be free from pain and suffering, just like me. This person wishes to be safe, strong, and healthy, just like me. This person wishes to be happy, just like me. And this person wishes to be loved, just like me. Noticing that we aren't so different, we wish good things for them. Again, repeating the following statement silently to this person in your mind. I wish that you have the strength, resources, and social support to navigate difficulties in life with ease. I wish that you'll be free from pain and suffering. I wish that you will be happy and peaceful. I wish that you feel loved because you are a fellow human just like me. Now take a moment to thank the person you hold in your mind in whatever way feels appropriate. Thank them for doing this practice with you, even though they don't even know it's happening. And when you're ready, take in a deep breath. And as you release it, allow your eyes to open and come back to this present moment. And as you do so, be kind to yourself in this practice. And this is something that I recommend people practice regularly to build compassion. Um, it can be done anywhere with anyone. Uh, somebody annoys you in the grocery store, cuts you off in traffic or something along those lines. Then you can just shoot a little just like me and send a little peace and happiness to them because we're all going through something at some point in our lives. And if you don't have a, if you're like me and you don't have the memory to remember all those phrases, number one, you can't do this wrong. It's really about just sending a compassionate heart to people. And if you really want access to this, then you can easily Google just like me compassion exercise. Be sure to add compassion exercise unless you want the lyrics to the song just like me. So, um, but I've found it really helpful for me in my own practice of being more compassionate with others. You know, I kept thinking as I was listening to you, Shepard, about all of the times that I could use that. And, you know, you said it can be somebody in the grocery store, cut you off in traffic. And I think just mm -hmm. those words as a mantra are really helpful to remember how to build compassion as a capacity. Ugh. Absolutely. And there are so many other things we can do. I think that having one little exercise that you know about is, is really helpful that you just keep presence of mind. Oh, Shepard, Laura, I have loved this conversation. 
And there's so much more. Our next podcast will focus on self-compassion. And I'm looking forward to that one. So in addition to joining us for that, um, my new book will be coming out very soon, What Leaders Need Now. You can find that and our next podcast, as well as recordings of this one and our last one at whatleadersneednow.com. We hope you will join us there and join in the conversation, and we will see you there soon. Thank you for joining us. Shepard, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you.